Hey folks, and welcome to another edition of Dog Walk Talk presented to you by Dogs HQ. As always, I'm your host, Jake Roos, and with me, as always, team beat rider at Dogs HQ, Palmer Toms. PT, what's good, brother? Doing well, doing well. Just wrapping up another weekend of coverage here in Athens. An exciting win, 37 to nothing for Georgia. Uh, second straight shutout for the Bulldogs. And, and there was a lot to put into perspective on that shutout. It was a, uh, a big one. I believe it was first since 2006. First back-to-back shutout since 2006. First back-to-back shutouts over conference opponents since 1980. We all know what happened that year. And uh, the only the third time that Georgia has shut out a, a top 10 opponent, 19, it happened in the 70s against Alabama and in the 40s against Georgia Tech. So what we saw yesterday was pretty rare and uh, and certainly an exciting game to cover from Sanford Stadium. This uh, Listen to this old boy over here. He's been doing his research for the show. Hey, no, they, they provided that <laughs> for us in the, in the press box. No yeah. way. I was thinking it. But I wasn't going to find it. Yeah, shout out to Chris Lakos and the staff over there because uh, they they always come through with those those crazy little nuggets like that. I mean, look, not really a lot to say about this game, in my opinion, uh, that we haven't already said about previous games. I mean, Georgia really enforced their will and and took this game over kind of from the start. Now, I will say, I thought Arkansas played a little bit worse than I expected them to. They were just undisciplined, uh, unclean in the game. That really cost them, I think, a lot of opportunities, um, especially early on. And then once you got behind, it's it's really tough when you've got to go up against this Georgia this Georgia defense, which is built to you know get in and disrupt the pass. And when you've got to go to the air like they had to, uh, just not a lot of hope for you, unfortunately. So, um, you know, who were some of your standout performers? I guess against the uh, against Arkansas. I, I for me. I didn't get to watch the entire game. We'll get into why here in just a little bit, but I got to watch the first half. And, um, you know, for me, it it was all about the running game yesterday. I I thought that, uh, you know, when you get six guys getting touches on the ground, you've got nobody breaking a hundred, still kind of that, um, you know, by committee uh, situation, but overall, you know, they did what they had to on the ground, which, what I said in bold predictions they would do um, you and you agreed with me. So I I'll give you some, some love there too, Palmer, but you know, I, I thought that uh, that was really the story of the game for Georgia. It answered that question. Can Georgia rush the ball when they need to, they absolutely can. The offensive line came through, open up some big holes. James Cook was gashing people yesterday. And then uh, Zamir white, just doing what Zamir white does, you know, kind of getting in there, grinding it out <clears throat> a couple scores for him. Uh, Palmer, I guess, same viewpoint for you, or were there some guys who caught your eye? Yeah, yeah, I, I put it all in rest and react this morning, uh, and and you know the the big the big three takeaways that I took away were the run game. Like you said, it's it's back. It looks good, um, and and it led them to victory yesterday. Um, that was the game plan going in. I kind of had a feeling that that could be the game plan going in. I, I hinted to that in in the bold predictions. Um, you know, just with with the way that Arkansas lines up, three three defensive linemen drops eight into coverage against the pass. It was going to be hard for Georgia to throw the ball, whether Stetson Bennett was in there or JT Daniels. Obviously, it ends up being Bennett, and and, and that's its own storyline. 
but, you know, either you're dealing with a banged up Daniels or a backup Bennett. And, uh, you know, I, I felt like that with the combination of those two things, Georgia was going to want to run the ball. And, and they did. They did. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's what's really impressed me so far this season. And, and I've, I tweeted it. I tweeted it and said, hey, can we stop? questioning the run game because and, and I feel like me and you haven't we, we've we've talked about it on our own that you know this is it, it's a by committee thing it's not pretty none of these guys are going to go win the win the Doak Walker award or anything like that but they're getting the job done as a as a unit it's it's four or five deep as a unit and and George is getting it done that way they've they've put you know up a new season high in five straight games um Obviously, they set it against Clemson, set the mark, topped that against UAB, topped the UAB mark against South Carolina, topped the South Carolina mark against Vanderbilt, topped 200 that time. And 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 I was I didn't know if they could do it again. 243 was kind of a kind of a steep number for Georgia to rush for against Arkansas, and and they put up 273. So uh, 274 or more next week against uh, against Auburn, maybe. But uh, you know. You never know. You never know. So that that was one of my big takeaways. Um, I was also really impressed by the defense. Uh, like like I said, with with the perspective on that shutout, it's it's incredible what they're doing so far. And and I think you've got to hold the horses on on putting this as the best defense that Kirby Smart has has coached. He's coached some incredible ones over the years. Um, some some really good ones at Georgia. Some really great ones at Alabama. It's got to be, uh, and gotta be approaching that territory, though, right? I think they're approaching it. I yeah. think that if, if if they keep up what they're doing right now through through 12 games, you know, we're almost at the halfway point of the regular season, which is crazy to me to think about. It, it feels like just yesterday that, that we were that I was getting started, you know, UAB week uh, and and that everyone was talking Clemson. So the fact that we're at the halfway point, that's a different story. Uh, but, you know. If, if Georgia can keep up what they've done through five games and, and put that on paper through 12, through 13, 14, 15 games, like, like Georgia fans want them to, this defense will go down in the record books. Um, I, I feel very confident about that. Um, even if they slip up a little bit, they will probably be finished as one of the best in the country based on what they've done so far uh, and, and, and what they're fully capable of doing against the rest of this schedule. Uh, but but for them to be that elite defense that they've talked about, uh, they, they're going to have to keep it up. You know, they, they said that they watch – Kirby said after the game that they watch highlights of the Ravens and the Bears and, and some of those really, really, really elite defenses that, that go down in history. And, and everyone wants Georgia to be that. Well, Georgia watches that. Georgia wants to be that. Georgia wants to emulate that. And, and, and so far, they've done a great job. I mean, you can't ask for much more. No, um, not at all. I mean, you're getting greedy, I think, if you do, right, from a defensive perspective. And, you know, I think really, too, like you said, the running game, it's like I said, you know, I think this was two, three weeks back now that, you know, the progression is there. You've seen it each week. Like you said, you're taking a step forward each week. Well, I don't know what else you would want besides that. I mean, that's exactly what you want to show uh, when it comes to the running game. So, 
it, it, it felt like old school Georgia football. Putting, yeah. putting the great, you know, handing the ball off 57 times yesterday to 11 passes. You, you took the ball out of Stetson Bennett's hands and, and they played old school ground and pound Georgia football. Um, and, and Stetson even said it, you know, obviously he's a, he's a Georgia native, grew up in the area, uh, watching, watching the dogs and said, Hey, this, this felt like some, some Georgia football I used to, I used to watch, you know, whether that was, you know, for in, in years past before Todd Munkin, where, where, you know, they weren't as much of a, deep threat and, 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 you know, able to spread the field and, and work at downfield or, or he meant that, you know, in, into the early two thousands uh, of, of Georgia, you know, ground and pound RBU football. Um, Georgia looked like Georgia yesterday, Georgia of old yesterday. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing I will say uh, one more note on the defense and, and a quick note on the special teams. It's insane to me that Georgia has allowed 16 points on defense. They've allowed 23 points on the year. Seven of those you can you can chalk up to to uh, Stet, to Carson Beck and a, and a pick six against UAB. Uh, if it wasn't for that, they would have had two th- three shutouts on the year, uh, three and four games with with UAB South Carolina being the only one in between. Georgia's defense has allowed one touchdown on the year. They've allowed 16 points on the year. Defense and special teams, 16 points. Defense and special teams has scored 23. That is insane, Jake. And 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 to, to further that point, I you got to give a ton of credit to the special teams unit and and what Will Muschamp has done taking over for Scott Cochran. Um, you know, obviously Cochran, you know, Georgia fans want to get Cochran back in the building. Georgia, you know, personnel wants to get Cochran back in the building, but it's going to be hard for him to get his job back. And, you know, with, with the way that Will Muschamp is running this, this special teams. And, and, and obviously Kirby has told us several times, it's not just Muschamp, each coach, you know, each assistant coach helps on special teams. Uh, and, and, and you got to look at it. I, I do. I think he t- said Muschamp special teams is, is pump block and, and, they came up with a big one yesterday. They came up with a big one uh, last week on special teams with Jalen Johnson forcing the fumble. And, and, and another thing I noted in the rest and react, um, which I, again, strongly encourage y'all to go read. Um, it's, it's been two unsung heroes for Georgia on special teams. And I think that's exactly what you want with special teams. It's, it's an opportunity for some of those guys to, to make their name. Jalen Johnson and Dan Jackson, they're not guys that you would have expected to be making you know, marquee plays for Georgia this year, you certainly wouldn't expect Jalen Johnson, a wide receiver to be forcing a fumble, but what did he do against Vanderbilt? Forced a fumble on a kickoff return, bounced into Dejan Edwards hands and, and set up a score two plays later. Yeah. Zamir white was the, was the beneficiary there getting the score again, white, the beneficiary here falling on the touchdown, but, but got to give a lot of credit to Dan Jackson and, and the way that, uh, you know, Georgia came after that punt. Um, I, I listened to a little bit of Sam Pittman after the game as well. And, and he said that, uh, that was a look that they hadn't seen before. And, and so I'm very, very curious to see what, what Muschamp is, is able to pull out of his pocket, uh, you know, going forward, as as you look down the line, he's he's got some teams that he's pretty familiar with, some programs that he's pretty familiar with, Auburn, Florida, upcoming. Uh, so I would imagine Muschamp's gonna is is gonna go all out uh, on special teams for those two games. Yeah, you know, and then what you said there, I think too, is kind of insane when you think about it. I mean, you got RB one out there playing on the punt block or on the punt team. I mean, that's that's crazy to me that 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 Zamir White's even in in that situation. 
which um, a lot of Georgia fans would have want, rather him been on the sideline, given the fact that he tore his ACL in practice a couple of years ago working on the punt team. Sure. So, you know, I mean, it, 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 like you said, it says a lot about what Georgia's program is about here uh, with with the fact that they've got, like you said, RB1 on the punt team, uh, on, on the punt return team, punt block team, uh, you know, making a big contribution, not only – on the ground yesterday with 68 yards, two touchdowns, an incredible display of athleticism on that last touchdown to, to stay on his feet. Um, you may have missed that one. It was in the second half, uh, but I'm sure you've seen the highlights and, uh, and, and then making an impact on special teams as well. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. And I think really what you've got is all three phases clicking. I mean, it, it's not like there's, there's not really a huge point of weakness five games into the season. I mean, I don't know what I would even say it is the weakness right now for this team. And that's, that's a real compliment to how they've put this together. And, and, you know, the selflessness of these guys, like I said, for Zamir to be out there playing those major snaps uh, or, or to be out there playing special team snaps, that that's a selfless attitude, but that also has got a trickle down effect where other guys are seeing that and they're saying, okay, look, if this guy's going to do it, I can get out there and do that as well. You know, it's no knock to be on the special teams uh, at Georgia. And I, from an offensive perspective, they've clearly established themselves in my mind as uh, a pick your poison dual threat to run the ball or pass the ball. Now I'm interested to see if that's going to hold true, uh, depending on, uh, you know, this, this JT Daniels injury situation and how they choose to handle that moving forward. I don't know how confident I feel about the passing game just with Stetson, uh, you know, being, if, if Stetson's got to throw 30 balls at some point, that's, that is a point of concern for me, I will say. Um, But, you know, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. I don't expect Daniels is out too long. Uh, you know, it was a game time decision this week. So, you know, give him some time to rest, let him heal up. I think it'd be good there. But like you said, uh, a lot for Georgia fans to be excited about. And and Sam Pittman's quote after the game of, you know, they made us like it. You know, that 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 called in that called back to me that that old uh, um, uh, there's a Mike Tyson quote that I, I can't uh, uh, quite say on the air here, but he, he said, uh, essentially, uh, I'm going to uh, make you love me. And, uh, and that's what Georgia did uh, to uh, Arkansas on Saturday. Now, another huge storyline on Saturday was uh, a loaded recruiting field. We previewed that uh, over at Dogs HQ. We did a little bit of that talk uh, in our last uh, session here at uh, DWT. Uh, but, um, you know, guys came through and big surprise out there as well. Yeah, yeah, Jake. Uh, you know, I'll I'll turn things over to you here on on the recruiting front. Obviously, you weren't there, but but you know who was there. And uh, Travis Hunter, Florida State commit, uh, actually got hurt Friday night in his game. Uh, you know, give us a little bit about what you know about that injury. Uh, plus, you know, what, what your thoughts are on him being in Athens yesterday for the game. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's about six weeks. I think it's an ankle, um, you know, uh, maybe a slight fracture, something like that. Uh, I Honestly, I was blown away when I saw the picture of him being there, not because I didn't expect Travis Hunter to come to a game this season at some point, but because he left the game in an ambulance on Friday night. So the fact that he was able to get that kind of turnaround, 
not only really speaks to, you know, uh, maybe how he feels about Georgia, but I mean, like for him to kind of put that extra effort in after that, that's, that's a good sign. So listen, obviously Florida state struggling this year, pulled off, got the first win yesterday. So, you know, back on the board, but it's, it's a bit of a tailspin right now for Mike Norvell's team. Travis Hunter has maintained I'm hundred percent committed. I'm not looking elsewhere. I'm not trying to be recruited. Listen, Georgia, okay, that's fine, okay? Kirby Smart's not not going to recruit this guy, though. That's the thing about it. I mean, this is a total game-changer prospect at both on both sides of the ball. I mean, he's an outstanding wide receiver, one of the absolute best uh, in this class. And then you flip him over on the defensive side of the ball, and he's, an, he's a lockdown cornerback. You just can't draw up players like this, okay? He's a guy who they have to continue to recruiting. They'd be crazy not to. Uh, even if Florida State were 5-0, and you have to keep pouring in on that kid because you're, you're the closest school to him. He's right down the road. You've got every opportunity to see him, and it's easy for him to get by to see you. So he can, you know, I, I do think Travis Hunter is being uh, forthcoming in saying that he is firmly committed to FSU. But I do think that Georgia has to keep recruiting him. I think that he's perhaps listening to the pitch, but not in a situation where he's going to decommit or flip anytime soon. I don't see that. I don't think that that's the case. I think that if something like that were to happen, and I think that those chances are very slim, uh, mind you, I I think that that would be something we'd see much closer to signing day and later down the line, personally. Yeah, and, and, and a couple more guys that were there this weekend that Georgia would also be looking to either, uh, you know, have them decommit, have them flip, uh, or, or in, in the case of Bear Alexander, someone who did decommit uh, and, and is currently not committed anywhere, but, uh, you know, heavily leaning towards Texas A&M uh, is, is kind of the prevailing thought. Um, Bear, you know, he, the former Georgia commit, he was there this weekend, uh, you know, him and, and Michael Williams, uh, two guys that are very familiar with Georgia's program, Michael being from in-state, Bear, like I said, being a former commit, uh, two big-time defensive linemen recruits for Georgia. Uh, what are your thoughts on them and, and what, you know, what we've learned that those guys ha- had to say about this weekend? Yeah, uh, get by Dogs HQ. Chad Simmons with a couple of great stories, uh, having already spoke to those guys after their visits. Listen, if you're those guys, I don't think that there's any question that you are not taking notice of what George is doing defensively. If you're Bear Alexander and you're looking at what that nose tackle's doing, then look, he's not he's not Jordan Davis. Almost no one is uh, from a physical standpoint, but he's a guy who can get in and disrupt in many of the same ways and. I, I almost I almost screwed up and said he might be a little quicker, but I, I think Jordan Davis has really shown us this year that he's got some wheels on him. So, um, you know, I, I think both of those guys have to be taking big notice of it. Bear, the, the Texas A&M thing is going to continue to linger, and I, I think that that's something that um, Georgia really may have their work cut out for them uh, when it comes to that situation because I, I think that they've just got his ear. I mean, they, they've they've really done a great job, I think, recruiting him, uh, recruiting his guardian, Tony Jones, as well. I think that, you know, he's a Texas kid, uh, just recently transferred to IMG to finish playing his senior year. But, you know, this is a guy who um, there's clear affection for Georgia, right? I mean, he was committed for, for some time, um, and – 
you know, I, I think that that's something that you have to take into account. So uh, no way the doors closed there. I think Trey Scott's done a, an excellent job continuing this recruitment. Again, I think it may come down to um, what happens on the field uh, the rest of the season. You know, how does Texas A&M continue to look? Does What's the trajectory like for Jimbo Fisher's team? You know, are they moving in the right directions? And does that feel like it for him? And then additionally, you know, can Georgia continue this run of defensive dominance? With Michael Williams, I think that that's a much more Georgia-friendly situation at this point. Um, you know, the USC commitment – I will say personally, I thought it was shaky even before the dismissal of Clay Helton. Now that he's out, all bets are off. You're probably getting a new staff in totality after the the, uh, the conclusion of this season. So I think, though, that he was looking at – I mean, like I said, I think he was looking at Georgia heavily regardless. Uh, that's only amplified now. He's back in Athens yesterday. He's got a plan to return again. I mean, they they're loving what they've they've got uh, in that kid. I think the relationship they've got with that kid, they feel very confident about as well. So, uh, you know, my money's on Georgia there today, and uh, I don't see myself changing that pick. Jake, how similar do you think? It, you know, the the similarities are there between Michael committed to USC and, and Travis Hunter committed to Florida State. Both of them in Athens yesterday to take in the game. Uh, you know, have, have said that they're firmly committed to the programs that they're, you know, currently committed to, be it the Trojans or, or the Seminoles. Uh, how similar do you think those two recruitments from Georgia's perspective are, that their pitches there that, you know, hey, look at what sh- what's going on out in California, what's, what's going on down in Tallahassee, that they're not having the success that, that we're having here in Athens. You know, what, what do you think Georgia's pitch is there, and, and how similar do you think those two are? Yeah, you know, I think that there, are, there is some similarity in the, the, it's the sense of the pitch. You know, look at just the proofs in the pudding. Like, look what we're doing as opposed to what the other team is doing it's clear cut. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to dive into the stats to, to look at the, uh, the win loss record and, and uh, you know, the, the performances that they're putting together. But, you know, I think that there is a, a big difference in the fact that Michael is an in-state guy. He's a Georgia guy, whereas Travis Hunter is playing in Georgia, but he's a Florida guy. And the other difference obviously being, you know, I don't see Mike Norvell getting fired after this year. I guess crazier things have happened. I'm sure Seminole fans are very frustrated uh, with the way things have gone to this point in the season. And um, I'm sure that there's a contingency out there that would maybe like to see him move on. But if that's not the case, I I think having that coaching staff together and, um, you know, solid, at least for maybe another year in Tallahassee is something that, that Travis has probably taken into a big account. And like I said, he grew up a Seminoles fan. He's he's from the state of Florida. He's got a lot of family in Florida. So in that regard, I think that they are very different. Georgia, like I said, uh, you know, can play that in-state angle with Michael Williams, can play that idea of, you know, stick home, be a hometown hero kind of thing. With Travis, you don't have that as much. Um, you know, obviously there are a lot of opportunities for him in Georgia, and and you know he'd he'd be he'll he'll do fine wherever he goes. I'll say that. But uh, this may be a case, I think, of um, you know uh, childhood affections and loyalties as opposed to um, you know with Michael, he's been a little bit more more all over the place with his recruitment. Yeah, yeah. And then a little bit more recruiting news here. Uh, Jake, you, you teased us last week. Uh, 
you know, a little bit on, 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 you wouldn't tell us what your weekend plans were. You, you told us earlier today, you know, that, that you didn't get to see the, a, a lot of this game. You want to share why? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, dogs HQ spent the weekend um, down in the uh, bayous, essentially uh, Thursday night. I was in Jackson, Mississippi, got a chance to go up and see Germantown, the Mavericks out of Mississippi. They were playing Murrah uh, down there in Jackson and uh, Branson Robinson on the sidelines, which was a bit of a surprise. Didn't didn't really know that he was hurt. Hadn't heard anything about that, but in street closed. Uh, but had a great conversation with him after the game. For those concerned about it, don't be too worried. A bruised Achilles, he's just taking it easy. Said he expects to be back next week, so I don't think there's any concerns there. Um, but, you know, I think from a uh, leadership perspective, it, it's been maybe a, a, a bit of an adjustment for him. I think that he's had to be more vocal. Uh, he can't necessarily lead by that field example. So I, I think from that perspective, you know, he's kind of – uh, allowed himself to grow a little bit and and maybe flourish in this uh, senior year in a different aspect than he may uh, have had otherwise. Um, certainly be looking forward to, to getting him back on the field, though. And uh, hate I didn't get a chance to see that on, on Thursday as well. But then Friday night, we flipped it up big time. And we were at Isidore Newman School for Arch Manning and uh, had a chance to see the number one prospect in America for the 2023 class. And boy, did he deliver. He put on a show. That kid is real deal. I'll tell you that. Um, can make all the throws a lot more mobile than I had expected at six foot three, six foot four. I mean, a guy who can, can make plays with his legs, can extend plays, keep it alive. I was really impressed with what I saw from Arch. You know, it's not just hype based on the Manning name. Um had a chance to speak with him after the game. I'm not going to give any of that away. You're going to have to come to Dogs HQ for that. But uh, I will say some good insight on his Georgia visit. Um, you know, I think Georgia, a, a clear player in this one. But I will tell you this. I don't think the kid's anywhere near a decision. I think he's going to take these visits. I, I think that he doesn't have really uh, his mind made up about anything. He, he's taking his time, and rightfully so. Um, I wish nothing but the best for the kid because I, I know it's an incredible amount of pressure he's under by virtue of being the number one player, by being as talented as he is, but also by virtue of being the grandson and the nephew and the son of, of the Manning family. I mean, someone said on Twitter to me yesterday, he's probably the closest thing in America we have to a prince. And uh, I think that that's a really fair way to put it. I mean, I, he, he's, he's kind of under that similar scrutiny. Um, but uh, definitely, like I said, get over to Dogs HQ, check it out, because we will have some stuff up with Arch Manning this week. Um, I think people will will definitely be interested in what, the, what he had to say. Yeah, definitely going to have to tune in for that one. Uh, for this one, I, I think we're done here, Jake. Ah, that seems like uh, plenty to me. I mean, what else can you say? Georgia kicking ass right now, right? So for the man PT, and myself, Jake Bruce. This has been another edition of Dog Walk Talk presented by Dogs HQ.